Idly ho, neighborinos! Croissant, and welcome to another exciting edition of Tales for Wales, the pod that never fails to get that little pitter-patter of grey matter going with a bit of history, a bit of Wales, and some laughs along the way. I'm Jack, and as usual, I'm uh, joined by my friend, my confidant, uh, my buddy, my pal, Franco Baby. I appreciate you doing, that, uh, that little peep show reference there at the start. You yes. always, uh, always win your open little peep show quote. Oh, mate, I, I said I'd wing it before we started recording, and then, you know, yeah. when your mind just goes completely blank, and it just went, just claw it. Yeah. Peep show references are so ingrained in my it, it, I was going to say, it's one point. of my it's just like, yeah. peep show references are, like, so it's just my, my go-to. You know, if your brain has, like, a uh, uh, a screensaver, that's what mine is, just peep show quotes. <laughs> yeah. Dossing around It's it just all. the go-to at this point, isn't it? Yeah. Your bread yeah. and butter. Your bread butter, mate. Lovely bit of bread butter. Bread How you been doing, butter, your little yeah. rat bag? I've been all right, mate. Mate, not too bad, not too bad. I've um, uh, I was just oh, I told you earlier, wasn't I? That I've I've tried to adopt uh, take a leaf out of your book and do the ten thousand steps a day, especially post uh, honeymoon and yeah. download festival to try and just shift a bit of timber. Um, but it's a fucking long way, isn't it, to walk? Like you don't realise that so step is quite yeah. difficult to achieve. Yeah. Anyone who's listening who does it with ease, fucking, you need a hobby, man, because this is, it's <laughs> it's it's too much. And um, the other day, I was um, I was about two thousand off my my limit, and uh, I thought, oh fuck it, I'll just walk around the garden for a bit with my headphones in. But my garden isn't huge; like, it's fine. But I was just walking in circles, listening to music and whatever. But then I looked up, and my uh, my neighbour, who's um, he's got like a raised uh, conservatory next door so he oh, can yeah. sort of, when he's in his conservatory you can see over my fence and look into the garden and i saw him like sort of looking <laughs> as i was walking around i hope to god he saw that i had my headphones on because it's just their earphones so quite small i thought um if he didn't see those he just thought i was pacing around the garden like i was thinking how long has he been watching me because i was there for a good like 10 20 minutes and i thought if he's just watching me walking around the garden like a fucking lunatic just <laughs> yeah. head down marching <laughs> along in a circle and I thought fucking hell what does he think and he's, he, he, I, the only reason I knew he was there because I heard him like shut the conservatory door and I just had this image in my head that he'd been watching me for like 10 minutes about I've had enough now slam I'm off I used to um, I, I walk up and down my flat because yeah, I've only got a small flat so I have to walk up and down the stairs to get my steps in and it's fucking so tedious 10,000 steps when you're like a bit tall fucking takes forever I just, I, I told yeah. you earlier, I, I left the house to go get the steps, and I do, you look a bit of a fucking wrong one, like, walking around in circles for ages, and travelling back on yourself, you just look like you're up to no good, and I usually am. Yeah. Look like, <laughs> you look like you're fucking staking a place out, you're like the little corner shop next to you, you're going to fucking rob it or something, they're yeah. watching you on the security cameras, just passing in the window. Little, little rotters. Um, I just come back from Glastonbury as well, and... I wore flip-flops on day one, and I did 32,000 steps, and I cannot explain the fucking agony my feet are in. They are battered. They're like all lumps and bumps and horrid dust all over. They're fucking awful. Little hobbit feet in the making. That's grim. I was hoping you'd uh, come up with some uh, things at Glastonbury, just for the listeners. Uh, Franco was texting me at one point. 
and I was saying, oh, come on then, give us some tales of Glastor, how's it going? And it was the most scathing review. It was like a sort of, it, looked, it sounded like you, you wanted to say, I hate it, but you were holding yourself back. And it was such a like, oh yeah, no, it's a, you know, there's a couple of acts, they've been quite good, but on, on the flip side of things, I fucking hate everyone. Yeah, I fucking I wish hate everyone it. was dead. Yeah. And it was, it was such a, Jesus, you obviously have hated every moment of this. It, it, it's not for me. Um, it was so fucking, uh, so middle class. There were so many fucking middle class people there. Um, to be fair, it's like 250,000 people and like two police officers. Like, it's really safe. Um, and there's loads mm. of people off the fence. But I didn't do any drugs for the festival. Like, uh, I went with my partner and her friends are all pretty tame and lovely. So I wasn't on any drugs, which makes festivals hard. Um, and no one else was really <laughs> drinking. Like, if you go to, like, I didn't, like, I used to do festivals back in the day, and you kind of need drugs to make it bearable. And and that's kind of what they're for, aren't they? Like, you know, exercise oh, makes mate, music the, really You know, good. I'm not, I'm not on big on the, the drugs front, but, like, <laughs> I can't, I wouldn't be able to go if I couldn't get hammered. Yeah. Like, uh, I can't sleep in a tent if, no. if I'm not drunk. So, no. uh, you so know, like, just, just for the, the comfort element. Let alone <laughs> yeah. But, you know, like, like, that's what, it, like, people who might do recreational drugs every so often, festivals are kind of where you'd see them and so there's loads of people off their face on drugs and uh i my partner's friends don't, don't even really drink that much so when i was getting drunk at one point someone was like oh you're getting a bit drunk i was like oh you don't want to be told you're getting a bit drunk and they oh, said it in a nice shame. way they said it in such a lovely way but i was like oh then you just know that you're probably speaking louder or being a bit more like just blary so it was a bit mm. like oh it's, i just i my feet hurt <laughs> you want um you want um to be around your, your usual lads with that where they yeah. just bolster that effect well, or they just yeah. You think you're being loud? I'm just going to shout in your ear now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it was, um, and then the music was fine. It was all fine, and I just feel like, like it's just so not my vibe. Like I can't hack. It was a all tent. fucking fine, right? It was <laughs> yeah. completely fucking. Fine. But it's like mad expensive, like crazy expensive. Uh, we took booze in, which is fine. But I drank my bottle of rum in like a day, and then I was on beers yeah. the second day. Um, I don't know. It was fine. <laughs> it was absolutely. <laughs> but everyone around you fucking loves it. They think it's the best thing in the world, and they and everyone there like thinks they're always like, oh, this place is like, and, and I'm definitely the minority. Everyone loves it. Me and my partner were like, this is absolutely fine. Um, and uh, But when I was there, what was quite cool, being a part of like a um, a crowd. So like Elton John, I think, was the biggest crowd they've ever had at Glastonbury. And there's a, they don't they know exactly huge, the numbers. Mate. I've seen some pictures. like. But... Well, they, they assume it's around 150,000 people were watching him. And I was stood in that. And um, it is crazy how um, many Welsh flags are there. Because, like, you know, Glastonbury's famous for its flags. They were just mm. f- flags everywhere and there was so many welsh flags and there was like a owen glindur flag and like a welsh oh, mate, independence when you flag. sent me that i was buzzing a, a literal <laughs> uh, like uh, well, owen glindur was like fucking coat of arms i was like not even just a welsh flag but like so so niche yeah. oh well not niche for a welsh person but niche in terms of glastonbury like how many <laughs> coats of arms of, of, of <laughs> owen glindur were there yeah, it, was, it is bizarre isn't it? um and then uh, when I was in this big crowd, because I was like fucking daydreaming, wishing I was anywhere else, I'd look <laughs> up and I'd, I'd like I'd see a Welsh flag like maybe five hundred feet ahead of me, and I was thinking, oh, this is what it'd be like in battle, like because I saw it and the proudness and like 
uh, palch there, like the the like. Oh God, mm. I was I got so like uh, emotive seeing it. And I thought that's what you'd be like if you're in the midst of a battle and you saw your country's flag like a thousand yards ahead of you. You'd be like, keep fighting mm. for the flag. And yeah, then I was Elton like, John playing in the background. <laughs> like, yeah, it's gonna <laughs> be a long time. Come release! I was shouting into the sky. <laughs> so yeah, everywhere I go, it's, I, the pod follows me. History follows. But, um, it was fine. It was absolutely Lovely. fine. Good luck. It to was you. completely fine. All <laughs> yeah. right. Good luck to the lads. That's what I say. They'll, they'll be all right there. Um, <laughs> God bless them. God yeah, speed. But uh, like uh, all my partner's friends who were going, they left. I was quite glad that Emma didn't like it too much either. Like it's just like we, we even paid for, like for this tent to be put up for us um, through this like snooty little it's private. Um, they have a place called like Stinkfield or Stitch Lynch or something like that, and it's like a Stinkfield. That's got to <laughs> be it, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> I kept marketers it dream that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um, you're in this field that it's a part of Glastonbury, yeah. but you can pay for like a year or a two man tent to be put up um, for you, and it was four hundred pound for a two man tent. Fucking oh, hell! Uh, but you got your own showers and a proper toilet. My God, the toilets there! This is like hack comedy stuff, like what old comedians would like make fun of festival toilets. Mm. This was like a war crime. It, the, the stench was just Mate. unbelievable one night in download um and this wasn't even we we, we stayed off site in download mm. it's like this hotel that um does like um camping they, they let you rent the yeah camping in their like um garden sort of thing garden their, their <laughs> property whatever anyway they got these like portaloo things and one night the, the stench was so bad it had, like attracted like a, I, i'm not kidding you like a swarm of flies oh, yeah. they were buzzing around there i'm not a big fan of bugs as it is no. right <laughs> well, i was trying to have a piss in one of the urinals i was looking up and it was you just hear like oh. above you because they were just everywhere it's if they've gone this is our home now this is ours you have to leave <laughs> now because it stinks well, so bad you've attracted us i i can because they have these massive drops they're called like drops shitters or something where you just shit long drops they do long drops surely yeah Yeah, long drops that's what they're called um and they they don't have real toilets no water just long drops so it just goes and and, and then because it was so hot the stench it was it did feel like especially when you walk down shitting in a hole or do you see a sea of tents like hundreds of thousands of tents and you think oh this does feel like a war camp like we're about to go something the smell is so so bad, like a hundred thousand more than that shitting yeah. in a Ugh. fucking hole, and the stent, everything was just a biz. And then you get sawdust to throw up, uh, throw it. And I heard someone say they thought the sawdust Ugh. was for your ass that you threw the sawdust. <laughs> 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 wiped your ass with the sawdust. Yeah. Oh, God. And, um, but then ours had like proper toilets, um, and it, I've never been happier. I just sat in this little shitter, <laughs> just sat there. Thinking, this is heaven. <laughs> Where do you have to be around anybody else? That I long definitely, drop like, shit does if, sound bloody horrible yeah. to be fair. But if I was with like more like my kind of friends, we'd have been it'd have been more easy because we'd all just be drunk the entire time. And the so. uh, the shits would have been <laughs> all the worse for it as well. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> well, my partner who didn't drink much at all got really bad food poisoning on the way home, and there was massive queues for sushi. Who's queuing for sushi at a fucking thirty sushi, degrees a festival? festival? That's asking for bloody trouble. Yeah, that teaches the middle class to be fucking the hoi polloi. Just be, be like I did. I ate nothing but chips for three days straight, and my yeah. stomach was chips fine. and burgers, man. I yeah. had a bowl of mac and cheese at one point in the in download. It was fucking gorgeous, actually. But <laughs> it did uh, it did come out just well, not too far from a consistency it went in, to be honest. But. Uh, <laughs> 
Um, do we have a, a, a review to read? We normally have a little review. I've got a review, of course, course we do. This is the new, the new us now, isn't it? Reading mm. reviews out at the start. So, this one, this new review, to move swiftly on, is from, I love this uh, username, it's from BuffDaddy91. <laughs> I'm a real buff daddy. Sounds like a different version of like um, Shawn Michaels' intro music from being, I'm Insert just a sexy now. boy. I'm just a buff daddy. I'm just a real buff daddy. Yeah. I like when they add names to stuff because it sounds like the Buff Daddy original has been taken. Does he have to add their yeah. name? <laughs> buff Daddy <laughs> Nana Wood. I'm a real buff daddy. <laughs> So yeah, Buff, Buff Daddy, Daddy, he likes us. He gives yeah. five stars, absolute boy. Yeah. Title of it, Easy Listen. And he says, Easy Listen and Laughing All the Way Through. Presenters oh, have Daddy, a good rapport. Stop. <laughs> yeah, stop teasing me, Buff stop Daddy. Stop teasing me, Buff Daddy. <laughs> Presenters have a good rapport and don't take themselves too seriously. Brightens up those dull commutes to work. Can't wait to hear more inaccurate Welsh facts about Welsh history. Oh. Boys Bach. Buff Daddy is here to Thank bump you, Buff me up. Daddy. <laughs> Buff Daddy, he reviews your podcast. <laughs> Buff Daddy makes me feel horny. Buff Daddy makes me feel horny. Buff <laughs> Daddy, five star cock. <laughs> Buff Daddy reviewing podcasts and cock all around the nation. <laughs> <laughs> well, Buff Daddy 91, I can only say a thank you, sir. Yeah. Thank you very much for that yeah. lovely review. You know when we got a Buff Daddy on board, the pod's doing okay. Watch t- our numbers fucking t- climb <laughs> sky two- high now. we got Buff Daddy on side. And for two men with actual daddy issues, it's a fucking godsend of Buff Daddy there. He won't leave <laughs> as well, Buff he? Daddy growing up. Yeah. I wish <laughs> Buff Daddy was around when we were young. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Well, <laughs> moving from one buff oh. daddy to uh, another buff daddy who I'm going to be talking about. Well, actually, that's tenuous. I'm going to be talking about a buff daddy who has a very... Uh, let me start again. It's a buff daughter. <laughs> I'll keep that in. <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm trying to... Say, I, I realise, I, I re-listened to a few episodes, and I always try and segue from our last bit of chat to the episode. So, from one buff daddy to one buff daddy who had a... Brave daughter. I don't know what I have to do. Brave. <laughs> Brave. Like Brave, daughter. <laughs> Brave daughter. Brave daughter. Brave daughter. She's um, very brave, wasn't she? Very brave, brave, actually. And I just want Britain to be about British. <laughs> That's the voice I always do whenever I think of a racist. <laughs> oh, I, just I just want, want Brit- Britain to be about brave daughters, actually. <laughs> Buff daddies, right? <laughs> well, this story, as you can tell from the title, it's about Gwen Llian. And um, her full name were in history. They call her Gwenllian. So, Gwenllian Verch Griffith. Um, not to be confused with Gwenllian Verch Llewellyn, who's another uh, famous Gwenllian from history. But we're going to be covering Gwenllian Verch uh, Griffith. So this story takes place during the Norman invasion of Wales. And after the naughty Normans had conquered England in 1066, they spent the next few decades ravaging Wales. Um, they struggled more than they thought due to the like things terrain and the use of longbows and the Welsh hit and run tactics. Um, we speak more about this in the Krieg Maur episode, so do yourself a flavour and learn more about the Norman struggle in Wales uh, and listen to that episode. But, yeah, that's a goodie. 
As this episode's uh, title suggests, we're going to be focused on the female lead. Um, now, female commanders weren't uncommon in Celtic tradition. Last week, we looked at Boudicca, um, who was a fierce Celtic chieftain who led a violent revolt against the invading Romans. Um, and also, in things like the laws of Hoalvar, which were the laws that were still in place during the time of Gwentlian, um, they were a lot more liberal and progressive for women in Wales, much more so than the Saxon or Norman laws in England. Um, that's we've said it before, but let's do let's properly do a whole episode on his laws because I was reading through them the other day, and some of them are worded quite funnily, and they're also interesting. So I think we should do a little episode where we read through his laws and see see if they still hold up to today. Or if anything, they're probably more progressive than that Tory government. <laughs> Bloody liberal lefty, all right? Oh, oh woke is it? Oh, uh, uh, Rodri the fucking Mao. What's his name, Rodri? <laughs> oh, well, there. Oh, that, Jesus Christ, sorry. <laughs> oh, let's cut that. Yeah. Uh, ho, ho, that. <laughs> the original Wokey. We're not going Rodri Maud, apparently. I know, I was going to say, apparently I've got a beef with Rodri Maud in yeah. deep in my subconscious. No, so let's do an episode of Hoel There. We'll line that up because I think mm. that'll be interesting. Um, and yeah, so like Hoel There is who is the first king of Wales to be properly to, to properly codify things. He invented a lot of the laws that were around in the Middle Ages and Dark yeah, Ages. Yeah, and they stood the test of time, didn't they? Yes, they were, yeah. um, they, they, yeah. some, a standard that a lot of Welsh people yeah. sort of held he, themselves he to for a long time. He followed what um, Alfred the Great did, and he wrote things down. And Hoelvar means Hoel the Great, pretty much. So it's, it's kind of he, he, him and... Uh, and he's also friends with Alfred, so they did a similar thing. They wrote stuff down. They became... Uh, laws were enshrined because of them. So even the Senedd today, the main hall of the Senedd is called Hoelvar Senedd, like the Hoelvar Hall or something like that. So it's named after him. It's our place of law mm. today. We've been so saying we're going to do an episode on for fucking ages, yeah. haven't we? So we will have to yeah, just do it. Let's do it. We'll, we'll yeah. earmark it, mate. We'll earmark yes. it. Anyway, so we've established women in Wales weren't out of place on the battlefield and they had a bit more rights than they did in other parts of the UK. Um, so journey with me now through time and space and let me tell you the tale of another Welsh heroine, Gwentlian. So in 1113, Griffith Apris, who was king of De Heibarth, which as we all know by now is West Wales, um, he went off to meet Griffith Ap Canaan, who was king of Gwynedd, which is North Wales. That's the father. Of, so this was a bit confusing. So stay with me, but I will repeat it. Um, the father of Griffith Ap Canaan, who is the king of the North, he was his father was supported by the father of Griffith Griffith Ap Rees, who was king of West Wales, um, in his fight to become king of the North. So to clarify. We got two kings meeting up who had a connection because one of their king's dad helped the other king's dad become ruler of Gwynedd. So it'd be like if my dad helped Jack's dad um, set up a, I don't know, a, a construction company, and then I go, then, then I go and visit Jack, and, and, and I <laughs> say, "Hi, fucking hell, where's this going?" <laughs> and then we both say, "I wish Buff Daddy was here to help us." I wish Buff Daddy could help us get through the fucking notes. Yeah, <laughs> yes. Yeah, so there we go. Does that make sense? Have I overcomplicated that? Um, I uh, I know it because I in the Princes of Wales one I you've, you've talked about it I've sort of read about this before yeah. So, so yeah I know it right sorry <laughs> so we've got King of the Headbath West Wales he's going to visit the King of the North it doesn't help the local fucking Griffiths these two have a connection because mm. they both have uh, fathers who helped each other become rulers in their own right so now um, the King of the Headbath from West Wales he's not only a visitor but also a visitor whose daddy helped establish the other king's dad as ruler um, so they gave him a proper royal welcome my cousin Balin give us a royal welcome 
So picture a lovely spread, finest crockery, the best ale, which I imagine is their version of whatever Carlin was in the 12th century. Um, yeah, they had the best musicians, poets, just talking to Carlin. I'm going to have a friggin' big old gulp. Glue, glue, glue. So they had the best musicians, poets, gestures. They went all out for him because, you know, this is a man whose family helped set up this ki- this kingdom of Gwynedd, um, or this king yeah. to be of, of Gwynedd. Um, and this king of Gwynedd, well, he also brought his daughter there, the titular Gwenllian. Now, by all accounts, she was an absolute looker. Like, everything in history says so she's an absolute, she's a stunner, which is a bit mad that they focus so much <laughs> on They've all corroborated it. Yeah. <laughs> it's not some, like, jaded lover who's going, nah, no. fucking ming and mate. <laughs> she was a fucking dog. She's a dog of a rat. She was goffin, She was fucking goffin. But I don't love her still, don't I? Oh, buff daddy, I don't love her still. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, yeah, so she's a beautiful lady, really, really fitting of the title of princess. So despite all the lavish spread the King of Gwyneth had put on, the only thing our horny little King of the Haybath wanted to spread was Gwentlian's royal legs. <laughs> oh, nicely <laughs> <Sorry>. done. Quite <laughs> so, the writer, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> yes, so Gwentlian and Griffith Apcon and the King of the Haybath, they got on so well they spent the entire time in each other's company. Their chemistry was just magnetic, and they were so both they were both so effing horny they didn't even wait around for breakfast and they ran off back to West Wales with zero permission, no dowries, not even a shake of the hand. Thanks for supper, and I'm off to get felched by your daughter. It was just they were felched. <laughs> Jesus Christ! <laughs> Sorry, too much. <laughs> so, so now this King of West Wales, this Griffith Apcanan, um, you've actually told us about him before, haven't you? Like you mentioned, you've, you've done a story on him in the Princes of Wales, um, and yeah, uh, that's right. So we covered yeah. Griffith Apcanan, and I and I I bypassed Gwentian purposely because I knew you had one in the pipeline. Yeah, yeah. Coming, but so, as a quick recap. Um, um, in this in this Griffith that came out from West Wales, uh, he's a king, but he you wouldn't he wouldn't really stay at home. He's not your stay at home king. He wasn't one for growing fast on a throne. Instead, he had a modest army of uh, men who would roam Wales, especially around his beloved West Wales, and he'd ambush, attack, and massacre the invading Normans who'd strayed away from their bigger armies. And also that part of West Wales, like Swansea, uh, like Carmarthen. Um, had been really, really heavily attacked by the um, by the Normans. By that stage, they'd already taken over Cardiff and the south, and that which was and the marsh. Yeah, they had a stronghold down in Cardiff, didn't they? Yeah. So like, they operated out there a lot. And is it, were... this um, this Griffith Apcanon? Sorry, um, I think we just talked about this, but is he the half Viking, half Celt? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, that's it, the one, isn't it? Yeah, yeah that, that we talk about. One. We talk about in the Princes of Wales. I won't go into it. Yeah. But yeah, just to sorry to uh, yeah, to no, you're right. That, yeah, clarity. and that kind of matches his fighting style. He was he wasn't one for sort of staying behind castle walls. He was a, a Viking mm. in that sense. And uh, yeah, so the the Normans were now pushing further into Wales, um, and he's described as living a rough and combative nomadic lifestyle. Uh, and I picture them as the riders of Rohan in Lord of the Rings. You know, when Aomir, oh, yeah. the king's nephew, he gets exiled, so he just roams the plains, smashing into goblins and orcs with his loyal men. Yeah. yeah, Norman. Goblins. He was killing Norman <laughs> goblins. Yeah. yeah. So when um, so this lifestyle was pretty new to Gwentlian, and it was really difficult. But um, she came into it quite young as well. She she wouldn't have been older than fifteen by the time they were here. Which you know, dodge for getting married at that age. But that's kind of what mm. life was like back then. Um, life life expectancy was far lower as well. So you know, he's not a nonce. Is what I'm trying at, to say. At, fi- at fifteen, you were probably about thirty when you were in, in medieval <laughs> yeah, ages. One yeah. tooth left in your gob. Yeah. yeah. He probably um, stunk as well. I guess. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, we still have stinkers today, but 
more so back then anyway. <laughs> some people haven't learned but, yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway so she joined this really difficult life but she thrived and um, she joined in this marauding army to defend Wales against the Normans um, she did this for 20 years and she described it she's been described by many as fighting at the head of the troops shoulder to shoulder with her love um, they'd also distribute the loot they took from the Normans that they'd ambush and share that with the displaced to Haybarth Welsh so they're like a Celtic Bonnie and Clyde um, and people often describe them as the real-life Robin Hood. They used to go around together, and they'd have their army, and anything they kept would be just... They'd go back. They'd travel back to like their strongholds, and on the way home, we'd actually just be, help their subjects. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. And and yeah, they'd they'd fight fiercely. They'd fight at the front together, and then they'd uh, they'd venture back together. Uh, um, they also then began venturing further from home. They attacked the Normans. Uh, this in this twenty-year period, they attacked the Norman castles of Camarthen, uh, Llanum the Free. Uh, Aberystwyth and mm-hmm. even Swansea but they wouldn't hold the castles nice. instead they just opt to return to the woods they'd, they'd attack these places, burn them to the ground sometimes loot them, take all they could, kill all the Normans and then they'd run away um, they did this so mostly like absolute royal pains in the arse for the Normans <laughs> basically yeah. Yeah, quite literal royal pains um, mm. they did this mostly because they ride on that lightning strike style of attack that quick and brutal and devastating uh, Welsh tactic mm. but also um, it meant they avoided getting overwhelmed by larger numbers, so they could attack with a small amount of people, do damage, and then get out of there really fast. And oh, this before like any sort of um, proper um, army came, follow-up force would come down. Yeah. And, yeah so, so there's one instance where there's a caravan of Normans going through West Wales, and um, it's a really large caravan. They jump out halfway through a forest. Be, kick the living shit out of some normie and then fuck, fuck off before the rest of them can come so they're, they're, they're acting fast and then before the army can turn on itself and properly get ready they're all they've already scarpered it's a um, tailor's oldest time when it comes to Welsh warfare mate I love it yeah um, anyway so things change in 1135 when Henry the first dies uh, king of England uh, and then land disputes between the Norman barons breaks up and causes instability for the Normans so then some top lad called Howell at Meredith of Brecheniog, which is Breckenshire, uh, he won a crucial victory mm. against the Normans of Gower at the Battle of Garnagorch on New Year's Day on 1136, which which is a mad day for a dust-up. Like New, New Year's York. Day, I love that. Yeah. New Year's Day on the New Year, I tell you what I want, I want a fucking fight. <laughs> yes. Let's fucking get it done. New Year, new me, I'm going to fucking have you. <laughs> um, yeah. and, uh, Look, let's get the hard stuff done, early doors, and then it's done then, isn't it? It's just done. And this, <laughs> this is a really famous battle um, because it's a turning point where the Welsh beat the um, Normans in this. Like they, they kill a lot of them, but also for the ferocity and how vicious the fight was. Um, it's a. It's always been described as like a truly, truly horrendous battle. Uh, the people of Wales have been absolutely fucked by the Normans. Their rule was noticeably crueler than any other uh, any other ruler the Welsh had seen before them. So um, even when there was, you know, there's been Vikings, that, but they never sailed. There've been uh, Saxons mm-hmm. and stuff. There've been uh, imposers from England. That even imposers from Wales, uh, the, the Romans. This was noticeably crude. The Normans ruled with a really yeah. like they're, they're famous for it. It's like what happens in Braveheart and happens, you know, from from. Well, long I suppose they, um, you know, they were coming over to conquer the UK, and once they'd yeah. done England, it was like, a, well, we don't want a fucking half asset, do they? They yeah. want to go in half. But, but, but then when they make sure we when they governed as well. Yeah, when they governed, they they were the ones who changed like common land to being in charge. You had a king at the very top who had everything. 
um, mm. and then he'd give his cut off to like the the lords and stuff. And the lords then were given like impunity to rule with how they wanted in those areas. And a lot of the time, it was fucking cruel. Um, yeah, so when this like when idea. this fight happened, when this battle happened, the Welsh saw it as a chance for fucking revenge. They didn't care if they were to die. It's a chance, to, like fuck mm. it, this has gone on long enough. It's death or glory. Yeah, and, getting um, out a lot of um, a lot of angst. I yeah. imagine in that. So apparently, so according to the chronicles, um, the horses were said to have been up to their fetlocks in blood, um, which after googling it, it's like it's past the hooves before their ankles. But there was so much blood from after the Normans had been killed and like they're massacred and mutilated, the blood went above the hoof of the horses as they were walking out to like a shallow pool of it all over the fucking battlefield. And um, Gwentlian and Griffith saw this as their opportunity to strike a more devastating blow and to change tactics from their skirmishes. So uh, Griffith, her husband, decided to take his oldest and youngest sons with him to see Gwentlian's dad, a.k.a. his father-in-law, who we mentioned at the start of this, um, in Aberfour. Um, uh, and he, his plan was there to try to persuade him. Now was the time to join and uh, plan their attacks on a more wider scale, proper war. Mm. Um also, as a side note, due to this lifestyle that the Gwentlian and Griffiths had, where they were always, you know, in the thick of it and prop, prop, properly fighting, yeah. um, they would often split after a raid and run in opposite directions with different children. So if they were caught, um, they could attempt to rescue one another. Or if they were killed, they wouldn't have the entire family wiped out. So often, oh, right, uh, yeah. say the middle smart, children would go with the dad. Move. Yeah. So, um, but it's also so ga- like cavalier and like it's, it feels so romantic. Yeah. Didn't hey, it? look! If half the family dies, at least the other half lives. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But uh, I, I mean, cavalier <laughs> and like it just—it's like such a, a romantic story of like. Um, like Robin Hood or like Bonnie and Clyde, where hey, we're 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 just just too adventure. I don't know. It's something. I, I it feels yeah. very. We're um, just we're just a couple of a couple of kids in yeah. love yeah. slaughtering the Normans, aren't we? Yeah. <laughs> you know that romantic tale: boy meets girl, girl meets boy, girl <laughs> runs away from home. The Normans, yeah. 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 <laughs> a, Splits up after a battle just to make sure the kids don't die. Oh, launches yeah. a What's twenty-year like? revolt against a Norman invasion and fights skirmishes, and you know, it's parts your classic story. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so. Uh, that, yeah, so that, that was said that they'd always do that. So now, whilst Griffith was trying to convince the King of Gwyneth to support his war, the Norman barons, led by some jumped-up little prick called Maurice de Londres, um, began uh, devastating raids across towns and villages into Haybarth. So this was in revenge for all the resistance Gwyneth and her husband had mm. wielded. Um, most of the best fighters and best equipped soldiers had gone to escort Griffith. But Gwen Llian knew she couldn't let the West fall to the Normans, um, and she couldn't leave the people of the Haybarth to their deaths. Um, and also, most of the deaths were coming because of her uh, revolt, and she was like, you know, she didn't do all this to save her people, just to Felt watch them bit... die. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so she summoned the remaining captains, all of whom were equally loyal to her as they were her husband, and they marched to defend their homeland. Um, so news reached them that the this vast Norman army had now stationed near Kidwelly Castle, and as much as she had resisted open war on a battlefield, she knew she couldn't rely on her hit-and-run tactics here. Um, so her modest army marched to Kidwelly, but again, they'd, a lot of the men had just fought in that big battle on New Year's Day, and they were quite exhausted. Mm. Like they were either injured, so so she didn't have the full strength of them there. But while she was marching there, many local Carmarthenshire folk decided to join them, despite being completely ill-equipped and lack of training. But they were like, no, we believe in this woman. Inspired. I yes, love it. exactly. Um, she was also joined by her two sons who didn't go with her father. So, uh, Mildquin. He hasn't got a Y. It's 
M A E L G. Malguin is it? Yeah, Malguin, Malguin. I don't know. It's Malguin, but without the Y, so Malguin. He anyway. That oh, Malguin. Hmm. Uh, he was eighteen, and then Morgan, who was sixteen. Hmm. Um, so they're the two middle-aged sons. Um, now, hmm. when they reached the Normans, as they were coming up, they were coming through the hillside. They could see just how outnumbered they really were. So Gwentlian thought, okay, what we have to do here is use the tactic of the lands again. So Gwentlian put her army on the steep slopes to the east of a place which is now called Mice Gwentlian, which, mean, which means Gwentlian's field, um, which is in a place called Money the Gallic. Um, the hope was that they could hold the ground and inflict such heavy losses on the Normans that they would consider retreating and come back with a better plan, at which point the rest of the army would have arrived from the Welsh side. Um, so you know. as the battle started... Money the Gallic, um, you say? That's yeah. my... Um... That's where my uh, grandmother's from. No way. She might have a relation. Yeah, I reckon, there. from reading about yeah, this... She's, she's descended from Gwenllian. <laughs> well, I'd really want to visit this place. I think, um, yeah, I, I'd really like to visit it. You know, we've done like a few things about visiting uh, places. The mm. reason why I've got more... Me and Jack both said before, we've invested in books to read about Wales, which is why this episode hopefully is a little bit more factually accurate. Um, <laughs> yeah. But this whole book has a, a road trip of all the battle sites in Wales, leading from, like, Caradog up until, like, Oh England, dude, and even things oh, about the mate. Welsh language and stuff. Let's so, do it. Yeah, I reckon we do that. Let's do it. When we hit 10,000. Okay, anyway, oh, yeah. as I was saying. What was I saying? Um, so uh, they're in the uh, Garrig, and you said yeah. they were going to inflict enough damage yeah. on the normal so, armies to hopefully let them retreat. Yeah, thank you. And now this army, this battle has started, and as the Normans were going uphill, um, the Welsh inflicted heavy losses to this well-trained, well-armoured Normans. They were doing their classic javelins. They didn't have a huge amount of their um, longbows, because a lot of the, long, the, the proper, proper soldiers had gone, um, and they were they were more used to doing their, their skirmish, their, their, um, skirmishes from the woods, so they were more used to javelins, uh, rocks and stuff like that, uh, shorter uh, mm. bow and arrows. Um, so we know, we talked about this before, but the longbow was devastating to the Normans, but that comes in a little bit later. Um, I'll cover that in a second. Um, the Welsh relied instead on frantic, vicious fighting, so they'd smash through the lines. Um, when the Normans were coming uphill, they'd smash through their lines and quickly drag as many as they come back and bring them back between their lines and fight and stab and stump um, and take them out that way. So they'd have some people holding the line, holding the Normans back and trying to uh, hit, like grab as many as they could um, and cut them up and stuff. In a way that was kind of barbaric. Oh, sounds like sounds like bloody um yeah like fear tactics almost like fucking yeah. hell, like look what we'll do to you if you stand your ground you're better off. Yeah, yeah it, exactly. Kind of so this went on for hours until then the Normans managed to circle groups of the Welsh, separating them into smaller armies and into even smaller pockets. So they'd kind of circle areas of them and they'd fight them into their till their last breath. Um, and it was reported that hundreds of the Welsh were killed, including Malguin, uh, Gwentlian's oldest son. And then as the battle was drawn into a close, the Normans captured Gwentlian, and then they found her youngest son, and they killed him in front of Gwentlian. They then decided to decapitate Gwentlian as a final act of disrespect. Uh, however, this cruelty didn't do what they had hoped, so they were hoping this would subdue any other retaliation by showing that they chopped off this brave leader's head in front of all the remaining soldiers and civilians and stuff. Um, however, it did the opposite effect. Instead, it galvanised the Welsh. More and more people would decide to call up arms after they hit the disrespect and the, the betrayal they'd done to like a warrior. Like, you, like beforehand, mm. warriors were never given kind of disrespectful deaths like this. But the no, it'd really be like breed. a sort of um, respect a, a powerful yeah. enemy type thing, yeah. wouldn't it? Like, you know, yeah. we, even with Caradog, we did like weeks before. He was he was freed when he got to Rome because it's what you'd, you know they they have respect for those who are fighting for their country. Um, mm. 
So anyway, like I said, this galvanised the Welsh massively. Um, the Welsh of Gwent, led by Godworth ap Owain, ambushed and dis- and killed Richard Fitzgerald de Clare, uh, the Norman lord who controlled Ceredigion. Um, and then word reached Gwynedd of uh, Gwentlian's death and the revolting Gwent. So Gwentlian's brother Owain and Cadwallader, they invaded Norman-controlled Ceredigion, taking Llanfihangel, Aberystwyth and Llanbaden. And then her husband, as you expect, was fucking furious. Like, imagine mm. a man so madly in love and his wife's killed. Uh, so he leads the charge in all of this and he takes other armies with him. And now they begin this historic period of winning victory after victory. Um, and furthermore, there became a common war cry called Dial Achos Gwentlian, in English, which means revenge for Gwentlian. Um, and this didn't just become a war cry for months past the event, but it became a war cry for centuries, and it became a symbolic Welsh resistance war cry. She symbolised what it was, what it meant to uh, revolt and uh, defend Wales. Sounds like a, a Boudicca reborn. Yeah, well, we yes. Yeah, um, she's often described as the Welsh Joan of Arc. But I don't know anything about Joan Oh, Mark, yeah, so. that's good. Yeah, I don't know too much about it, but let's just say, yeah, yeah, Welsh Joan yeah. of Arc. No, well, actually, no, Joan of Arc was the French Gwentlian, mate. That's what I say. Oh, exactly, exactly. Um, and another thing to add, loads of the soldiers in her army at this time um, were, because it was again around Christmasy time, wintry time, um, it was hard for other people to get to her in time. So the bulk of her army were like farmers, shepherds, stuff. And they were mm. mostly armed with them with simple weapons and they had barely any armour where the Normans had all chain mail, full training. Like you said, a lot of the army was uh, made up of essentially civilians from villages on the way up that just felt the need to fight for the cause or whatever. That sounds, uh, yeah, she's uh, one absolute babe, isn't she? An absolute I know, she's babe of battle. Um, there was also one thing which I couldn't find much collaboration for. The reason why she just had to fight was not only because they were attacking her land, but um, she was she had one Welsh chieftain called Griffith Ap Llewellyn, um, and apparently he betrayed her um, and her location. So um, she had to take action to kind of show that she was still in charge. And um, it, she God. she was in a forest waiting. She was there, so she had her army waiting in the forest, looking at Kidwelly Castle, where the Normans were. But this prince, had, this fucking chieftain, betrayed her, so she had to come out of the forest and fight head on, which is not what she wanted to do, apparently. But then I, I found two examples. One of her saying she wanted to show that you know someone's going to stand up for those in Wales who've been attacked. Yeah. Well, um, that would fit into the classic Welsh situation of like being fucked over by ourselves a lot of the time. There's always yeah. someone like, know, betraying us, and they, like from from within the ranks or whatever, like yeah. thinking they get a leg up or whatever. That would fit, <laughs> fall into it, it. It makes sense, considering the historical context. Uh, yeah, and and can I read um, the the last uh, bit about this? So there's a, there's a, a recollection of how the fight happened with Gwen at the end. So by the end, it's pretty much only her and her son who had any proper like. Uh, armor or anything on so everyone around her was pretty much getting slaughtered at this point um, and a knight broke Gwenllian's shield with his mace breaking her arm and then her son Malgrin rushed to his mother blocking with his sword the blow that was meant to kill her um, but suffered massive injuries in the same finally when they'd been captured um, that that prick Norman Maurice uh, he hated them he hated them because he'd been like made to look a fool especially by like a woman um, he had the hands tied behind their back and he replaced chivalry and custom and because he had such an anger for revenge they brought this log out to the site and that's where he executed them um, and I read like a historian said it was against chivalry to kill a woman uh, and when you captured a king you were supposed to ransom them like what happened with like Richard Lionheart and stuff like that but they decided mm. to take the log out of Kidwelly and behead her with an axe 
um, it was just another layer of Ponton Sol. So it really, really caused huge uproar when they found out what happened. Um, yeah. Like there's, you know, there's a good death, isn't it? And then there's like yeah, throwing yeah. an insult to yeah to an opposing, to an enemy sort of thing. Yeah. So yeah, we, that's, <laughs> that's Gwen Lian. Um I didn't know anything really about her. I knew her name. Um but no, I, as um, I know, we're we're accomplishing the the mission of this part by educating those on things that are not talked about. Because like you think that would true. be a story you'd, um, especially for me and you going to a Welsh school, um, that we'd have heard in in Hannes, Sorry, hist- yeah. history. Um, yeah, but and, yeah, um, that's mad because that's such a good that there's that's a, a Braveheart esque. Tale. Yeah, I know. Yeah, and yet, uh, we just no one bloody knows about it. There, there are loads of cool animations and short videos online of her, um, quite uh, like cartoony looking stuff in some periods. But she's, um, I, I think she's one of my favorite people that I've read about in a while. I really liked her, and it mm. goes on. Um, what happens next? Like the the Battle of Creek Mouth follows this battle, and that's the one where we, ah, you know, that makes sense because that is like such a. Pimp, um, like, a passionate one for the Welsh as well, yeah. isn't it? You know, it, it, in that it's a real outnumbered thing, but the the sort of um, tenacity well, it's, uh, the it's Welsh the one where, in that one is, is a big But do you remember, time. the forces are huge. It's like 8,000, mm. you know, compared to what we normally talk about, we usually say, like, there's, you know, a 1,000 soldiers. This year was like, yeah, 8,000 uh, Welsh people against several thousand Normans. It was like a proper swelling. Oh, yeah, you couldn't, like, imagine. That's obviously swelled the, art, the, the, yeah. the passion for... Resisting yeah. the Normans, so, and yeah. that happened a couple of Makes like sense. not too long after, um, months if not weeks after the battle after she was killed. So um, yeah, yeah. If you if you're tuning in late to the pod, go back and have a look at the Creek Mile Run. Yeah, that's, that's a funny hard. episode as well because I came over to yours when you were really hungover. I liked that episode. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. yeah. I've got absolutely no time for <laughs> for the jokes, if I recall. <laughs> you short shift, but we we no. I think remember because you said you were really tired and grumpy, and then I turned up with beers, and you looked really excited. So. You, yeah, you did perk me up. To be fair, yeah. I think it's um, yeah. That's uh, oh yeah. I know exactly which one you're on about now. I won't spoil it. So go go have a, a listen if you haven't listened already. All right. Um, just to say, Dilham Grandor, thanks for listening. Um, if you could drop us a five star and leave us a review, annoyingly, we can only get the reviews on Apple Podcasts, I think. Well, no, maybe that's not true, but you just don't leave written reviews on Spotify. So, anywhere else you get your podcast, if you could leave us a review, we'd love it and we'll read it out. Drop us a message. We've had some good messages on Instagram, on Tales for Wales podcast, and on Twitter recently suggesting new episodes. So, we're definitely going to follow some of them up. Um, yeah, uh, we're, really we're, loving the, um, we're loving the interaction. Um, on Instagram recently, we've had a lot of little comments of me, and we're yeah, we're yeah, really helpful stuff. Yeah, yeah. So we do appreciate it. Um, yeah, ta-ra. See you later. F off, you little mates.